This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with steel-clad resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer and protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform for Valor Radio. Here are your hosts, Colonel Paul Simonelli and Captain Steve Mamano. Oh, wait a minute there, Mr. Big Shot. Uh, it's not our hosts, it's our host uh, this week because one of them is missing. We have Captain Steve Mamano in studio, and he's going to have to make do with yours truly for this edition of Valor Radio. Not a problem. Whoops, wait a minute. Let me turn your mic on. It would always help. Well, we'll be all right. Yeah, as long as I'm not running the board, apparently. So, yeah, Steve is not available for us. Excuse me. Paul, uh, Paul is not available for us this week. And uh, so we soldier on here, if you'll pardon the expression. I guess <laughs> I guess that's not appropriate with Steve in the studio. Well. We're going to sail right along here. Well, we Continue gotta, our voyage. we gotta, we got to pay our homage to uh, Paul and his uh, green brothers after the uh, Army-Navy game. So uh, I, it's an obligatory spot that we have to do because Paul would, would, would insist on it. We have to talk about the outcome of uh, last weekend's uh, Army-Navy Classic, which, uh, which went in favor of Army uh, handily, I'll, I would say. I watched, uh, 17 watched to 11. one quarter of it in a bar, and I was yeah. thinking, ooh, this is not going well. Yeah, you get the, Steve's you get the not going to be a, a happy sailor. No, but you know something? Um, you know, I don't. Um, you know, I didn't go to the academy, and you know, I don't uh, get weepy when they play the the Navy Blue and Gold and all that, you know, the alma mater. But I would like to have seen the Navy one, but honestly, it's the most important thing is that you have a good contest between two Great institutions and uh, Army, give them a lot of credit. They came to play and they played a good game. They were disciplined. They were focused, and uh, Navy wasn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I saw some problems there. So, uh, just uh, as a tip of the hat here to the Colonel. Yeah, hello to the Colonel. <laughs> Steve is standing, but he's making a face. Sitting. That's true. You're not. It's I'm as if you were. Right. right. All right, Paul. There's always next year. Okay, that's enough. I like the song, but I wish they didn't change the words. Anyway. They've changed the words? Well, yeah. It used to be when the caissons go rolling along. And what is it now? When the army goes rolling along. What was wrong with caissons? Caissons imply dead bodies. I think I, I, you know, I guess. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. I, you know, why did they change it? it why that, would it be such a cheerful song if it was about dead bodies? Well, because you're as long as the right people get killed. Well, you, uh, I rest my case. Well, there you go. It's not such so, a bad thing. So uh, I, maybe Paul may know the history of it better than I. Uh, I don't. I don't pretend to know the history of the song well enough. So all right, and in in the interest of equanimity. No, it didn't, didn't load it. Not that this one. This computer's giving me fits today. Mm-hmm. What? Don't let See, it know it's, you're it's still a... got caissons. Come on. There we go. All right. Let's try this. No, that's the Marines. Uh, you I know. Thought, I thought that was like it's Kentucky Derby or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Call to the post. <laughs> I know which one you're thinking of. And that's uh, a great drinking song. Yeah, okay. Uh, you, this one. Oh. He's standing now. 
got to love any song that has the words "drink to the foam." Yeah, in it. So that that's a good as good an excuse as any. There you go. So let's see. Uh, you have done a lot of preparation, a lot of. Uh, of uh, planning for this program today, I thank you for that. Oh, no as, problem. As we uh, we go along with a with a partial bench. Well, you know, Paul Paul went to the game for, uh, on on Saturday. Never, he, never misses. He, it. he was present, and he and he made sure he sent a lot of stuff out during the game to kind of you know egg me on, which you know I understand. But um, I just want to tell him that you know from the other end, when watching television, it's a different experience when you're at home, of course, and I was fascinated by the the contest from the beginning because the the whole the preliminaries are the most important part of the game. The um the uniforms are a big deal. Paul was excited about the uniform. I wasn't because the fir- the, pro- the first problem I had with the uniforms was the lack of uniformity. Um the the army had the word army along the back of their jersey. Yeah. The navy had the names of the players on the back of the jersey. So right. and then they had these funky logos on the side of their helmets. And I think the, I think I know what the one in the army was. It was some kind of lizard or something. I'm not sure what it was, but the the other one was like a looked like a, an oil smear in the in the ocean. I didn't know what it was. I kept looking at it, going. It was a navy well, helmet. The navy helmet. It looked like a it looked like a like a, a burnt cookie or something that was floating in the water. I don't know what it was. So I wasn't crazy about that. Again, there was also you know the usual antics on the sidelines, which I, you know every time I watch it, you know you want them to cut loose a little bit, but you know they were, they were going a little crazy on the sidelines on both sides. And then I saw what I thought was really remarkable was a general officer of the army now um, trying to look pretty cool on the Black Knights sidelines, which you know they they like to hang around and and be seen, and, and you know I understand, but he's wearing the new. I guess it's kind of new. The Army has like a retro uniform. They call them pinks and greens, oh, which are a throwback to the old World War, World War II. Yeah. Right? And he's wearing his pinks and green uniform with his saddle-shaped hat, which is, you know, with a soft look to it. I mean, he's trying to look really impressive. And generals generally do because they got all their ribbons on and everything. But he was chewing gum. Oh, jeez. I mean, oh you can't do that as a general officer. You, you are the, the Navy. You are the Army. I mean, don't be chewing gum, General. And he was chewing it like a Yahoo, too. I mean, it was pretty obvious. The other thing they did was, if anybody saw this, I, I blanched when I saw it. They, they linked arms and they sang Sweet Caroline. Now, I understand why they do it. It's a Boston thing. and I, I'm not particularly fond of that song. I, I like a lot of... Um, I can't stand that song. I, I don't I, like I, that song. I don't like I've, that song. I, bah, bah, bah. I know. I mean, come on. I, I, I've, I've played it on the radio... I, Twelve thousand. I'll bet you two hundred and eighty-one times by actual I'll count. Be, I'll bet you did. And and I would rather have heard Cherry Cherry if, instead of you know. Thank some, the Lord for the nighttime. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky right. woman. Right. It would have been anything, but but Lincoln Arms and to Sweet Caroline, a bunch of a bunch of I don't know type A personalities. Uh, just it it didn't didn't wash with me too no. well. I, I, by the way, I concur with you. I think both. Teams, the uniforms were horrible. Yeah, I mean I, the the color of the army uniforms looks kind of sickly. Well, every, everything's gone desert colored now. Everything's everything's kind of like that that washed out sort of beige and sand uh, color. Let's go back to green. With, with the army was green, and 
you know, whatever. But next year we'll have another contest, and 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 uh, Paul will probably want to put some money on it or something because we really got close to having a bet this time. But I'm kind of glad we didn't. But anyway. all right, well, we're gonna take a, a break here uh, for halfway through our first half of the program, and uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna be featuring some uh, some movie music. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? Absolutely. Um, um, IMDb Internet um, um, Music um, Movie Database Movie Database is probably kind of the definitive uh, database for uh, motion pictures and um, anytime and, and for TV programs and music and anytime you have um, a question about something that's really the the source I go to for for movies about to find out who was in it who directed it, all kinds of things like that. Well, they came out with their list of the the, the top 10 greatest war movies of all time. And um, I usually don't care about lists like that, but I read it, and it was actually a pretty good list. So we're mm-hmm. going to be playing some music from some of the, the top 10 uh, war movies of all time. All right. So see if you, see if you can see, you can tell what they're from. Yeah, yeah. Identify this. Uh, this is This is easy. Talk about iconic. Now, since we're talking about the movie, I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention them while we're playing the music, sure. just to knock out a few of them. That was Patton, 1970, which was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, and uh, it's the ultimate military biopic. It's George C. Scott, who actually becomes Patton in this movie, he sure unlike, does. unlike any other actor I've ever seen. I mean, when when you look at pictures of George Smith Patton, the real Patton, uh, and George, pictures of George, uh, George C. Scott. You really want George C. Scott to be Patton. He he is Patton in this movie, and he got all the mannerisms down, and he got the the uh, persona down. And it's just an amazing movie. It was it won Best uh, Actor for George C. Scott as Patton, and Carl Malden took home the Best Supporting Actor Oscar as uh, General Omar Bradley. Um, uh, he um, let's see. Um, to me, it is uh, it's an amazing movie because. The alt, the um, opening scene uh, is a, a scene of Patton standing in front of the enormous uh, American flag, and the, the the old speech about no poor dumb bastard ever won a war by dying, by dying for, for his, his country. country. Yep. Yep. So it's that whole speech, and it, the, that scene was written and created by Francis Ford Coppola, and the only reason why he ended up getting the Godfather. For to direct The Godfather was because of that scene. Really? Yeah, he's uh, he 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 was an integral of the screenplay of Patton. He was a uh, a big deal on the movie, and he did a lot of research on Patton. You know, it's so funny. I remember in the uh, summer of 1970, the uh, a lot of movie theaters, at least in this region, were were doing a double feature of Patton and Mash. <laughs> talk talk about a non sequitur. Yeah, you know? no kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it was a double feature. Watched both films, and they were both great in their own yeah. way. 
Yeah. And they're both 1970 movies, right? Yep, summer of 1970. Isn't that something? Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back here on Valor Radio with the captain. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bond for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008, or MGMinsure.com, an associate of Michigan Miller's Mutual Insurance, 2425 East Grand River Avenue, Lansing, Michigan. The Stars and Stripes flag store is open again. Shop at 783 South Avenue Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 1 to 5. All American-made flags, many different types, apparel, drinkware, ornaments, and more. Honor our heroes. Shop Stars and Stripes flag store open again just in time for Christmas. Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. If you're a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, please call the Veterans Crisis Line at 988 and then press 1. Donate now, vocroc.org. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. We are back here with Valor Radio on the WISL stations. Merry Christmas to all. Glad that you're with us. Uh, Paul Simonelli, the uh, the colonel, is elsewhere this weekend, but we're in good hands here with the captain, Steve Mamano. What's up next here? Uh, well, you want to play with me, uh, sound? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. We'll all play, right. Play a tune. We'll, we'll see what we got. I think everybody knows that that's from Schindler's List, which was a 1993 movie directed by Steven Spielberg. Now it's um, not a traditional war movie in in the rock'em sock'em you know, you know artillery sense and all you know the things that we we associate with war movies. But Schindler's List was as impactful a film about that period as anything that's ever been created, and uh, it's maybe the finest movie ever produced. Um, more of a film about brutality uh about the brutality 
of um, of war and, and, and racism than about the war itself. But uh, it, it won a ton of Oscars, rightly so. Uh, and it, it, uh, that song there is called Remembrances. It's uh, John Williams did the music for Schindler's List. Um, which was phenomenal, and uh, that was uh, Itzhak Perlman was uh, the the violin uh, 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 on the violin there. So um, it's just an amazing movie, and uh, if you've never seen it, you you owe it to yourself to see it. I yes, I actually think that it would it would behoove Steven Spielberg to get that movie played more often. He used to have one of the big motor com- uh, motor uh, companies, the uh, car manufacturers like GM or. Ford sponsor the the movie on a network, um, but that hasn't happened in a long time, and they just don't play it enough. And right now, we could use that movie. We need that movie Boy, now out there more than ever. More than ever. Um, if we if you really want to teach the next generation about hatred and about the the price of of uh, bigotry, you have to show that movie. It's an ugly movie, and it's a painful movie to watch. Bob and I were talking about before the the broadcast about the effect it had on us when we saw it the first time. Um, If you've never seen it, prepare yourself. It's a very raw film, but it it has so much heart in it, and there's so much about that movie you'll see – the second and third time around, so give it a try. My uh, my impressions of Schindler's List, uh, you know, you, you're probably if you're familiar at all with the the subject matter, you're thinking it's depressing, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, it's sickening. Uh, I found it none of, none of those things. I found it inspiring. I found it uplifting. I it gave me it gave me hope for my fe- fellow man. It's, uh, it's it about is, redemption. Yes, more than anything about Oscar Schindler redeemed himself, and, and and Oscar Schindler is obviously a very flawed man. This depiction does not; it's not some Hollywood feel good thing, uh, apple polisher no. for Oscar Schindler. He was he was a bad guy in many ways. Mm-hmm. He, was he wore he wore that party pen for a reason. Yeah, T- terrible womanizer, mm-hmm. uh, and um, squandered all that money. Financially, totally irresponsible, and and a liar. Uh, but boy, you know, everybody has the potential to find their niche in life, and Oscar Schindler certainly did that. Mm-hmm. They, well, they say figure about twelve hundred people's lives were saved. Oh, I thought it was more than that. I mean, I mean, just the, the initial people they probably he, he saved, but uh, uh, generations. I mean, he's got yeah. How many how many generations have have uh, thrived uh, because of Oscar Schindler? Well, there was a there was a, a rolling uh, tally of all that over the end of the film. Not, oh. You're not trying to uh, you know uh, throw in any spoilers here, but uh, uh, the, you are informed of that during this film. Which, by the way, I think we were talking about during one of the breaks is it's approaching three and a half hours, but it is not. That three and a half hours, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not seen the film, it flies by. It flies. It you are does. you are on the edge of your seat. You're watching. There's no intermission. The the film That's right. It the film rolls for three and a half hours. Don't drink a lot before you go in there because you will not want to get up to <laughs> no, go to the little won't. boys or girls room. No, you'll miss something. And there's a lot that happens in that. There's the the cast is phenomenal, and uh, everybody has a story, and you want to know what happens to them. And most of the time, it's a bad ending. It's a, it's a not a good outcome. But some of them make it through, and, you're, and, you, and, and then you see them in the flesh at the end of the movie. You see them in the last scene where um, the actor who played the character will walk hand-in-hand hand with them to, to honor Schindler at his gravesite. Yes, yes. It, and that is just an amazing this, scene. This is real. This is actual 
footage. Thank God they this, did it. This is this is not you know it's not dra- dramatized. No, and it, it's it's so sincere. If you see it, it's just beautiful, beautiful scene. But um, it, that's number two on the list. Um, uh, Patton was number seven. So um, there's other things going on. We'll, we'll talk about, and one of them is um, the highest ranking soldier in the German army. The German military, which is our NATO ally, told reporters on Saturday that he fears Russia may invade Germany and force Germany into a future defensive war, quote-unquote. His name is Major General Karsten Breuer. He's the inspector general of German, Germany's Bundeswehr, and he says he's concerned that Russia is rearming. Germany, he says, has become a strong ally of Ukraine since Russian, Russia's invasion in October, uh, but meanwhile, the German Ministry of Defense announced uh, its own uh, $1.1 billion arms package for Ukraine, which includes weapons, vehicles, and air defense uh, systems. Breuer says Germany may have to face the reality of fighting a defensive war against Russia. When asked if Germany could mount a credible defense against a Russian attack on Germany and her NATO allies, Breuer said, yes, period. Then he said, we have no alternative. We can defend ourselves, and we will defend ourselves. But, he admitted, Germany also has some major deficiencies. I don't want to hear that. No. That's not a good sign. So we now have um, a Bundeswehr that's not sufficiently equipped for this. That's a, that's a quote from him. Well, you better find it. You better find it quick. Yeah. Sell, yeah. sell some more Audis and Mercedes Benzes and right. uh, get busy. There you go. Also in October... Russia's leading propagandist, a guy named Vladimir Soloyov, as I pronounce it, um, threatened um, that Germany will eventually exist under a Russian flag, quote-unquote. Yeah, rots a ruck with that. Yeah. Well, he says Germany is playing with fire by supplying the Ukrainians in their war with Moscow. Uh, His quote is, so we have no other option. We will finish the job. We will take Berlin once again, and this time we will not leave. I think not. So State Department dismisses uh, Soloyov entirely. Not with the minuscule economy of Russia. Yeah. Well, but but just the idea that they're talking about it is not a good sign. Yeah. No, no. Like we, we don't need more hostilities in the world. Yeah. But as far, as far as Russia taking over Germany, nah, yeah. no, I don't think so. Well, the, the hard truth for us is that right now we don't have the military force to take on these threats the way we used to. I mean, we used to always kind of laugh off the, the idea that the Soviets might come across the Fulda Gap because the Fulda Gap was so heavily fortified and defended that we were never really worried about our ability to, uh, to, to, to fight back against the Soviets. But we don't have that force anymore. In fact, the U.S. Air Force, for example, is getting so desperate to retrain, to retain skilled pilots and air crews that they're now offering $600,000 retention bonuses for uh, pilots and uh, air crews to keep them in uniform. Now, it's over a 12-year period, but that amounts to like fifty grand a, a year. That's a lot of money. Well, how much does it cost to hire a pilot? <laughs> it's got well, to cost and more than that. Yeah, well, the, right now, it's not just pilots. It's drone pilots. It's something called combat systems operators and air battle managers. They can't afford to lose these guys, and they're losing them. They're leaving in droves. Well, yeah, because because of the leadership that we have, which has it has to end, yeah. it has to stop. You know, this all, all this crazy stuff from uh, uh, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and uh, all of the, the the woke nonsense. Right, it's it it has to stop. It has to stop. 
Now, um, Bobby D sent me a couple of uh, service notes. I want to. Why don't you? Why don't we hold that off until okay, after the break? Set. We're we're coming up on the end of okay, the okay. Let's uh, do that first wanna, segment here. I want to talk about something positive that's going on in the, in the services right now. They just happen to be two Navy guys. It's just coincidental, but uh, we'll talk them on the young fellows who, who are out there doing God's work. So. Sounds good. Thanks, Captain. Steve Amato in the house with yours truly, Bob Savage. Paul Simonelli is uh, in Florida elsewhere, not able to uh, to make the program this week because he has to go to uh, pay his respects to a, a, a friend, somebody who is a major mover in his career and in his uh, younger years, which, of course, are fading rapidly into oblivion. But uh, we won't belabor that because... Paul's not here to defend himself. More to come on Valor Radio on the WYSL stations. Thanks for listening. If I could fly like birds on high and straight to her You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. Yeah, that's uh, Saving Private Ryan from 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg. That's number five on the IMDb uh, Best War Movies of All Time list. The film that truly revolutionized the war film, in my opinion. Spielberg, he, he wanted a realism in this movie, and boy, did he ever get it. With the help of some of the best cinematographers in the business. Uh, the guy who was the head cinematographer was a fellow named Janusz Kaminski. And he probably is the greatest cinematographer since Greg Toland, who did Citizen Kane. Um, this movie is gritty. It's hard to watch. Uh, and it's um, a lot of it's handheld photography, which Spielberg himself did. There's a particular scene uh, during the, um, the initial landing. The first Opening scene of the movie is so powerful, you you will never forget it. I promise you, if you've never seen it, you will never forget the opening scene of this movie. It's where they hit uh, Dog uh, Green Beach uh, on the Omaha uh, Beach w- uh, with the uh, the Second Ranger Battalion in uh, Higgins boats. Not not they didn't drop in by air. They came in uh, in uh, landing craft, and uh, and uh, they came they came right into an MG forty two machine gun. And these guys, as soon as that ramp goes down, uh, all hell breaks. Yeah, you're exposed. You're totally exposed. And, and it's just horrible to watch. When you see it, you keep thinking that <laughs> there's this is some some woman's son. You know, it's a terrible thing to watch. Uh, and there's there's a heartrending musical score uh, that you just heard from uh, John Williams. It's called Omaha Beach. That particular um, 
particular piece. Um, it stars Tom Hanks as Captain John Miller, 2nd Ranger Battalion uh, commanding, commanding officer. Tom Sizemore as uh, his uh, first sergeant, Horvath. Matt Damon as Private James Francis Ryan. He's the subject of the whole search. Um, we, I won't give away the picture, but it, what's, what essentially is about is um, three brothers from a, a particular family in, uh, uh, in uh, Peyton, Iowa, I think it was, um, uh, um, they uh, are killed in, in action within a space of a couple weeks. And the, the, it finally catches up to the Pentagon that these guys are all related. And uh, what they decide to do is go and find the fourth brother, James, who is somewhere in France. Can you imagine trying to find that guy? But George Marshall makes a decision. We're going to find that guy, and we're going to get him the hell out of there. That's that's a quote from the movie. Um, this movie should have won Best Picture in 1998, but um, politics got... Um, got front and center during during that selection. That never period. happens in the Oscars. Um I think the, the I think the um uh, Shakespeare in Love or whatever that something one of those movies some forgettable thing. Some forgettable thing with Gwyneth Paltrow won. And or there was an, another movie called um an Italian actor I think won the best actor award. Uh, I can't remember it was just a horrible confluence of events that that robbed tom hanks it, uh, steven spielberg did get the best director um award but the picture should have won best picture it still remains probably the best war movie of all time e- even though it's not rated by imdb but um everybody i know who's ever seen it has been moved by it and it's an incredible picture i hope I, I you you said you haven't yet seen it i tell you what you are in for a real treat um but you better be prepared um it's a very hard movie to watch and from the beginning to the end it will keep your attention believe me more more uh more so than longest day um you know what yeah and i'm i hate to say that because i love the longest day my dad and i watched the longest day my dad was a, a d-day veteran he landed at, at utah beach and we used to watch the longest day every june 6th and we always i mean we knew every line in the movie and i love all the actors in those movies because those are all my favorite actors but um uh longest day has a tendency to be a little turgid and a little kind of a plotting sort of thing, because how do you tell the story of the Normandy invasion? This movie is really not about the Normandy invasion. It's about what is the value of of one man's life. That's that's the theme of this of this movie. And wait till you see it. You're in for a real treat. It's an amazing movie. So, okay. All right. Well, right. we'll we'll look for that. Now, now, um, I just want to mention that um, we lost Ryan O'Neill this weekend. He was um, a, a fantastic actor. I thought. Um, he was 82 years old, no cause of death mentioned, but he was diagnosed with leukemia in 2001 and prostate oh, cancer and prostate cancer in 2012. Yeah. Um, he had some memorable roles uh, in, in movies. Um, first, he started out in TV with pros, shows like Dobie Gillis, The Untouchables, Laramie, Leave it the Beaver, Wagon Train, and then he landed a role in Peyton Place, which was a new uh, program in 1964. He played a character called Rodney Harrington, and that was his his ticket to stardom. Um, they put him in movies later on, and in 1970, he made Love Story with oh, um, yes. Ali McGraw. Love means it's never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> And you know he got nominated for an Academy Award for that movie. I know what a sap movie. I, yeah, that was. That, that's a very sappy movie. Now he made he made some great comedies. He was a good comedic actor. Oh my he, gosh, Paper pa- Moon. Paper Moon. Oh, that movie. Uh, I I watched that with my wife. She'd never seen. I, it. I have never seen. She it. was like, oh, okay. Is yeah. it good? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. He's got his own daughter in the movie, right? Yeah, Tatum. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's they're both scam artists. 
Oh, is that right? Well, yeah, he, he but plays they, it well. I'll but bet. Uh, she, she's not his daughter in the film. You know, he, he yeah. kind of, kind of like they kind of uh, happen upon right, each other, right. and it is a stitch. Yeah, everybody that heard he died, the first thing they said was, "I love Paper Moon." Yeah. I actually haven't seen it yet. It's so. just, it's just terrific. It's a great period piece. He also, <clears> he <throat> also made a couple of really good movies with Barbara Streisand of all people. Uh, What's up, Doc? In '72, and I, I, the main event I think was like '79, which was about boxing. Yeah, uh, which is in, in, incredible because he actually, before he was an actor. Uh, in the 50s, O'Neill was an accomplished boxer. He had like 17 wins and four losses, something like that, and 14 knockouts. Did not know that. Yeah, he was, a, he, he, and that's why he wanted to make the main event. It's a funny movie. Um, but the movie that, uh, that I really loved him in was A Bridge Too Far in 1977. He played the role of G- a General uh, Brigadier General James Gavin, who was that's, the, that's on the list for me to watch this yeah, weekend. And I'll tell you something that is one phenomenal movie. Um, they recreated that film in 1977 using a lot of equipment that was from the war. They assembled them from all kinds of armies across the the the, the Western world, bringing in C-47s and tanks and stuff. And it was an amazing movie. The sound in that movie uh, is unlike any movie I had ever seen before. But you will you will love the the the, the casting in that film. It's just a a really amazing experience. So uh, Ryan O'Neill did a great job in that movie, and he has one of the best lines in the movie where he goes up to Robert Redford and he says, because they have to take a bridge across the across the Rhine River, and, and um, or, or, I think it was the Rhine River, um, and he says to um, to Robert Redford, uh, "What's the best way to take a bridge?" And uh, Redford says, "Both ends at once." And he tells them to start getting ready to to go across the bridge, and they do. They they actually take this bridge. Going across, I mean, I don't know how they ever did it. The Germans were supposed to blow the bridge. Hardy Kruger is supposed to blow the bridge, but it, it, the explosives don't go off, and the Americans come across, and there's no way to stop them at that point. So watch that movie if you get a chance. So uh, rest in peace, Ryan O'Neill. Um, one more story I wanted to cover uh, was um, if um, there's a depressing uh, report out that the U.S. is considering um, – uh, a new missile launch notification protocol with Red China. The agreement would result in Beijing being warned in advance of a U.S. nuclear missile launch. Well, we already got that. We got Millie. <laughs> oh, That's true. We, don't yes. need, we don't need that. That's right. Yeah, his wet dream comes true. Um, yeah, you heard that right. They they want to warn them in advance. What's the point of having a deterrent? Oh, my gosh. Or a, um, what? It's, this is serious. This is not a joke. No, it's not a joke. The subject was broached uh, last month by Joe Biden when he met with Chinese President Xi in San Francisco. The discussion was considered an appetizer for the more serious discussion next year of a nuclear arms agreement with China. And you know who's going to be our negotiator for that? I'm almost certain who it's going to be. Afraid to ask it. Wendy Sherman is her name. Wendy Sherman is the the worst negotiator we've ever had. Well, of course, because she, this administration doesn't have to a man or a woman a single competent person. No, in it. and she's the worst. She's the worst negotiator. She she's been bamboozled by every uh, uh, horrendous regime going back to the Clinton administration. She she's been bamboozled by China. By Iran, by Russia, and North Korea. Of course, all the all the the deals that we've gotten into are a result of her negotiations. Yeah, thanks so very much. I expect her to be the one to to, to be the point man on this. Well, say we go for a break here, Steve. Yep, <clears throat> uh, uh, Captain uh, Steve Amano here. Uh, Paul Simonelli not with us this week, uh, and we'll finish up with movies. We'll come up with uh, one more movie theme and film to talk about after the break. 
here on the WYSL stations in Valor Radio. Go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, delivery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in office in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Michigan Miller's Mutual Insurance, 2425 East Grand River Avenue, Lansing, Michigan. Hi, I'm Alan Ginsberg of the A.M. Ginsberg Advisory Group, LLC. I know a lot of you have heard enough of my ad regarding business continuation. We started this campaign in September 2020, and I want you to know the response has just been tremendous. The best part is that we're seeing the results of our efforts. Business owners who have been procrastinating on how to make sure their business continues on a successful path are starting to make the changes that are needed. Whether it be talking to their children, key employees, or favorite competitors, they are starting to get things done making sure that their life's work doesn't just go by the wayside. Give us a call at 585-377-4720. We'll sit down and talk, find out what your business and family goals are. That's 585-377-4720. Thank you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. AM Ginsburg Advisory Group and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The Stars and Stripes flag store is open again. Shop at 783 South Avenue Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 1 to 5. All American-made flags, many different types, apparel, drinkware, ornaments, and more. Honor our heroes. Shop Stars and Stripes flag store open again just in time for Christmas. You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. And we continue with uh, the captain here and also with military movie themes. That is from Platoon, 1986, directed by Oliver Stone. Controversial, but well-conceived and executed uh, as Stone reflects on his own 
war experience as a combat infantryman. The events uh, are seen through the, the eyes of uh, Charlie Sheen's character, uh, Private Chris Taylor, who's played by uh, Charlie, uh, I say Charlie Sheen. Um, the stars of the movie are Tom Berenger, who is the bad guy in the movie, uh, and then Willem Dafoe is Elias, the good guy. Uh, and there are a couple other people in the movie who are righteous people. One of them is Dale Dye, the colonel. And uh, Charlie Sheen is kind of the newbie who shows up, and he volunteers to go to Vietnam, and then he realizes what a mistake he made. But by that time, he's in, he's in it up to his neck. It's a great movie. Um, there's a lot about the movie I don't like and a lot about the movie that I, I wish they didn't put in. But uh, it is what it is, and it is a great film. Oliver Stone knows how to tell a story, like it or not. and um, Accurately or not. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. I have had I, I've watched that movie with Vietnam vets, and it got to them uh, pretty pretty uh, solidly because they'll tell you that um, you know that this movie you know it's got a lot of things in it we don't like, but it's very accurate the way they the way the uh, soldiers lived, the way you know I mean I had a, one of them tell me that you know yeah they would wrap the towel around their neck like that to keep the the mosquitoes from going down their neck. And the or the ants, the fire ants, or whatever. I mean, the the movie is well made, and um, uh, all technical and all technical aspects of the movie are well done. So, um, Stone, this is his uh, contribution to movie making, and um, um, he is a great filmmaker, whether you like him or not. Um, he doesn't always do what we want, but uh, he's a real artist. So, um, the other movies, uh, Platoon is number eight on the list. Um, I'll just fill in the other movies that, that were on the list. Number 10 is Paths of Glory, 1957, directed by Stanley Kubrick. An amazing picture that was so far ahead of its time in 1957. The battle sequences in the trenches of World War One have never been equaled in any movie that I've ever seen. That's saying something. Uh, it stars Kirk Douglas, George McCready, Adolf Manju, and Ralph Meeker. Uh, Adolf Manju? must have been like Adolf. 80 years oh, old. Oh, he was. He was an old, he, which the French generals, were, some of them were. They wow. were ancient. But he's such a bad guy in this movie. He, he has no scruples at all. Um, General Moreau. Um, wait till you see that movie. If you've never seen that one. Say it again. What was the title? Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. Oh, that boy, you're in for a treat with that one because that is maybe the best of all the war movies I've ever seen. It's just so every time I see it, I have to watch it. It's just really an amazing picture about World War One. Uh, number ten, or that was number ten. Number nine is Das Boot, nineteen eighty one, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. It's German. It's a German movie. It has subtitles. It's shocking in its realism of the life of a U boat crewman during World War Two. It's extremely myopic. And uh, violent, uh, the, the picture. And uh, it's uh, frightening because you know these guys are underwater. And when the lights go out, you feel like you're, the, the walls are closing in on you. Um, and don't let the subtitles deter you. This is a great film. Um, number eight, uh, eight was Platoon. Number seven was Patton. Number six is Full Metal Jacket, which is, which is a, a great movie. I'm not sure if it belongs on the list, but I love the movie. It was uh, from 1987. Once again, Stanley Kubrick directed it, separated by a few years from his other movie. Um, another very divisive uh, film, but it's a powerful testament to the ordeal of Marine Corps recruit training. It's a, the, the recruit training part of the movie is really what everybody remembers. Nobody remembers that the star of the movie was Matthew Modine, but they do remember uh, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, played by R. Lee Ermey. He's the guy who... 
he did uh, mail call on uh, on History Channel. The, he he's the guy who's always in your face, pointing. In your, he's an amazing actor. And in this case, he's not acting because he did that job as a recruit, um, uh, 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 drill instructor. It's uh, at Paris Island back when there were no restraints on the brutality that they could mete out. Um, and it's a very violent film, but uh, and it's not for the fate of heart or for kids. But uh, there's some funny funny lines in that one too. That's number six. Number five. Uh, is um, Saving Private Ryan. Number four is Lawrence of Arabia. And this one definitely belongs on the list. 1962, directed by David Lean. British movie. It's considered the best British movie of all time on all the surveys that they do every year. Lawrence of Arabia is number one. Uh, It's in a class by itself as a statement about the brutality and the grandeur of war. Beautifully photographed and superbly cast, Peter O'Toole is... Uh, is T.E. Lawrence, Jack Hawkins is General Allenby, and Omar Sharif is in it with Anthony Quinn, maybe his best movie ever, Anthony Quinn, and that's saying something. Arthur Kennedy, uh, Alec Guinness, and Claude Rains. Uh, it's considered by many to be the best uh, uh, film ever made um, by, the, by David Lean and by the British, winner of seven Academy Awards. That's number four. Number three... Um, is uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. I was just going to say, I hope that film is yep. in this list. 1957. Yes. Again, David Lean. And Alec Guinness. And, and here's a movie that still looks contemporary after almost 67 years. The movie that made Alec Guinness a star and cemented William Holden's box office uh, chops. Well, he had the Ewing comedies before that in the early 50s. Who's that? Oh, Alec, uh, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Oh, oh, yeah. But, uh, the Lavender Hill Mob. Oh, God. The Lady funny. Killers. Oh, God. The Lady Killers. Man I in the laugh, White Suit. I just laughed my butt off with that movie. Oh, yeah. They, they, he was. Guinness is the best. He's, yeah. He's well, great. and he's good in this as Colonel Nicholson. You, you've seen this movie. Right? Oh, yes. Okay, okay, good. Okay. Uh, Sasu Hayakawa is the, the, the wild card in the movie. He ended up getting a Best Supporting Actor Oscar as Colonel Saito. And, uh, and uh, there's a great story about how um, David Lean shamed him into crying. But there's a scene where he cries, where he basically is humiliated, and he ends up crying all by himself in a room. And he couldn't cry, and David Lean told him, you know, you're screwing up our schedule because we, we're all waiting for you to cry. You better get you better get in there and figure out what you want to And he cried real tears when you see him you gotta, in that movie. you got to do the whatever it takes and as it, a director. And it got him an Academy Award. Get what, um, you, get you, what you want out of your actors. Yeah, it's number three. It's a great film. Uh, number two, Schindler's List. And number one is... Tora, Tora, Tora. <laughs> no, unfortunately. I love that movie. I do love that movie. No, number one is a very strange movie. I wouldn't even call it a war movie. It's a, uh, it's kind of a stream of consciousness. It's Apocalypse Now, 1979, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. That's the number one war movie? That's the number one... And it's got nine out of ten. I mean, I by think it's Rotten a tomatoes. I think it's a fine film, but number no, it's crazy. That, no, it's no, just, no, yeah, no. I, I, that's the only part of the, this this list I have an issue with. Um, but it's, it, I got to tell you, it's entertaining as hell. You've seen the movie. Oh yeah. Um, there's some great lines in it. You know the. <laughs> Some of it is just. I think they just love went, the smell I of think, napalm in the morning. There, I forgot about that. I forgot the whole scene with the with Duval drinking coffee in the helicopter. I mean, he, it's a crazy movie, and it, it's it's designed to really take shots at America. But um, it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. And that's what, and, and, and that's why it's number one, ladies and, and gentlemen. Why it's number one. Taking shots at America, very fashionable. I'm gonna. I'm going to put a bubbling under the Hot 100 here. At, uh, that's what was part of the old Billboard Hot 100 list. Tin Helmet. 
Oh, t- the steel helmet. Steel helmet. Steel helmet. Right. Korean, the, the steel helmet. The, the of course. Korean War movie. Korean War movie. Oh, that's which, a great movie. The, the, and that was the origin of the uh, famous uh, uh, character in uh, in Raiders. Little that wasn't Raiders. It was uh, uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, really? Yeah. Short round. The first short round was in that film. Um, that was um, directed by Sam Fuller. Actually, yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. It's a good movie. I'll tell you what. If you ever have a chance to watch that movie, Steven Spielberg totally ripped that that character off, even with a name. Did he? Yep. Well, there L- you go, little Korean kid. Well, we had some fun with movies today. Yes, we did. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, thank I'm you, Steve, for coming in here and uh, and stepping up to get this He's all done. He did a lot of background work on the program. Let's pray for our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coasties, and the Guardians and the civilians serving by their side and uh, the safe return of uh, Colonel Paul Simonelli. And we'll see you next week on another edition of Valor Radio. From my head down to my boots. I don't do it for the money There's bills that I can't pay I don't do it for the glory